On this episode of Training Camp, we interview Hugh Henney. No intro necessary, just go ahead and buckle up. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel and dealing, limousine right, jet flying, and I'm having a hard time holding it down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCP Trading Camp Podcast. We got a monster guest on the pod this evening. Very, very excited to have Hugh Henny on. Before we bring him in, I got to bring Noah. Noah, what's going on, brother? How we doing? Alejandro, what's going on? Like you said, um, fantastic guest that we have on today. Really excited to get into it um, and just pick his brain. I think it's going to be a great conversation for our listeners. Phenomenal conversation inbound. So there's actually four of us that are on the pod. We have Coach Dipka as well. Coach, how we doing? What's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me on, Hugh. Mitch, excited to have you. Hey, thanks, boys, for having me. This is uh, this is gonna be fun. It's awesome. Yeah, man, very, very excited to have you on. This is a, a podcast that we've been looking forward to doing, and I think first things first, I gotta say that I really do commend what you and Dan have been able to do with PGIR. Definitely a massive inspiration for us. I'm um, at TCP. Really set you know, the groundwork uh, for what can be done in a, you know, a finance and business podcast, especially, you know, something that's a bit more geared towards Fintuit. It's fun. It's entertaining to listen to. So definitely commend you guys on that. And again, thanks for joining us, bro. Dude, that means, uh, that means the world to me. Uh, Cause I think, I think I've said it a few times, but uh, I actually hated social media before, before like Fintuit kind of blew up and, and some things like that. And then even the podcast, like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure like you guys, like, I don't feel like doing it every day or, you know, or, you know, so it's cool, especially if I have like a bad, you know, a bad trading week or a bad trading day. And then, uh, and then I see someone like, fuck you, Hugh, you know, <laughs> yeah, on Twitter yeah. or something I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like the, the thing that I want to do right now is go talk for uh 40 minutes. So, so thanks for that. You know, it's uh, it's it's like things like that that uh, that Dan and I like turn to. You know. Yeah, and you no, know, that does make you know a lot of sense when you're doing a podcast and there's that. I don't want to say pressure because we enjoy doing it, but there's that obligation of getting an episode out every week. You know, regardless of whatever mood you're in or however things are going, or however busy you are, you got to get it done. Um, but yeah. So to move in to a little bit more of the conversation, how we typically do things is we start by asking our guests about their trading journey. So that'll be the first thing I ask you about. What got you into the stock market? What got you hooked on trading? If you want to just go ahead and start from the top. Yeah. So I got into trading pretty young. Uh, I was making my first trades um, at 14. And the way that that happened, like yeah, I'll talk to I'll talk to other traders who started trading young and it was like my dad was started point seventy two and you know and like my father's like Warren Buffett's like best friend. I'm like, well fuck. <laughs> All right. Uh but me on the other hand, it was a little it was a little unconventional. I was, you know, three sport athlete, 
all I cared about, I mean, I had terrible grades. All I cared about was, you know, looking at like cheerleaders and playing three sports and messing around with my friends. And then, uh, and then I started to pass out like randomly, uh, just on like the football field, the cross field. And, uh, and they kept telling me like, yo, Mitch, like you got to drink more water. I'm like, yo doc, I'm telling you, brother, it's not the water that's doing this, you know? And, uh, so then, so then one time they took my heart rate and it was, um, at about 180 beats per minute, which is, uh, which is pretty hot, which is, you know, pretty high for, for a 14 year old. And, uh, and I passed out like 32 times in like a year. So it was like once a week, you know, like every, every nine days just on like a beat. So, uh, I stopped playing sports and I like that, like I said, that's all I cared about. So I really found myself like, you know, kind of like hating on life a little bit down the dumps. One of my cousins was trading, um, at a fund and, at the time he was just dating, uh, you know, now he's, now he's my cousin, but cousin-in-law, but he was dating my cousin and, you know, we, my cousin and I were close. And so I think he was just trying to be nice, but, uh, he just started talking to me and, you know, he gave me, you know, a few books like the intelligent investor and, uh, tur- 10 turtle traders. And, and I kind of fell in love with the market. Um, you know, it, it's competitive, which I was always like super competitive. And, uh, and, and I just really fell in love with, uh, with the idea that I could, you know, make tons of money you know, and not have to work for somebody. And on top of that, uh, you're always kind of like living on the edge. You're like, you know, not necessarily living on the edge, but you know, you kind of feel like your back's against the wall uh, for a lot of it. And at that time, that was super appealing to me. Yeah. I think that one thing that we kind of get oftentimes on the podcast is, you know, people who come in, like you said, they're either their fathers were traders or we've we've even had people who come on and they're really like entrepreneurial, right? They like the fact that they kind of control their own destiny. Um, it's you versus you in the market. You're not really, you know, nothing else is going to determine, you know, whether you succeed or lose other than how much work you put in. And so I feel like that's something that draws a ton of people to the market, um, particularly us on the podcast, right? Like that's really, even last year, as we were in college, as we started trading, it was more like, you know, I could go work for somebody and, you know, I'm sure that I'll be fine. I'm sure that I'll make my way. But the, the idea of really controlling your own destiny, the idea of setting your own limits it's something that I know for me is, is invaluable. Right. And so I think that that's what wakes me up every day and, and, you know, gets me fired up and ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. And, and the other thing was that I was always inside this mindset that, uh, you know, I grew up in, in like central Jersey. I was always inside this mindset that I needed to like take a 5am train and, or, you know, like, like the dream life would be, you know, taking like a 5am train into like Goldman Sachs and working 16 hours and then taking the like 11 PM train home. And so like, I thought that was the dream uh, at the time. And that's what I was working towards. So uh, when it was like trading, just, you know, you can, you can create like a systematic approach that, um, that, you know, you can just replicate and, and continue to do for years and years and still be in finance and still, you know, have like that finance side to you. But, you know, I'm not working for anybody. And, and, you know, as I, as I grew up a little bit, you know, I realized that the 5 a.m. train wasn't wasn't something that I wanted, uh, or and would actually be something that I think I would hate. Uh, you know, as somebody who grew up in Central Jersey, it, it feels good to have you acknowledge that it is a real place and it does exist. But <laughs> out, outside of that, though, I mean, Coach has talked about this before, right? He talks about how you know a lot of people, unfortunately, particularly our age, you know. They're going into college looking to major in finance primarily because they saw Margot Robbie's tits on the screen when they were 14 years old. (laughs) And it's like, as you get into, you know, what finance is, what that entails, what it takes to be an investment banker, what it takes to be a sales trader um, working on Wall Street, I feel like a lot of 
a lot of particularly our friends, you know, find that it's not as appealing as maybe they once thought. And so I think that that does make a lot of sense. I think that a lot of people come to that realization that it's not just the money. There's obviously, you know, making a really nice paycheck at, you know, an investment bank is all good and all. But if you're able to make a good amount of money, but now you have, you know, a much more freedom, that's what people are really searching after. And that's what was so appealing to me when I began to trade. I started to tell myself, you know, if I can do this, as you mentioned, systematic approach, if I can make money day in and day out, that's not only going to lead to, you know, me padding my bank account, but it's going to lead to me be able, being able to do whatever I want, which is the end goal here, right? There's a million different ways that you can make money, but there are very, very few ways where you can make money and still have uh, you know, that ability day to day, nobody telling you what to do. Um, I'm going to trade today. I'm not going to trade today. That type of freedom is the most beautiful part, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I was just uh, having a conversation with someone recently and uh, and they were like, oh, yeah, like like the commuting sucks. I'm like, mm, like, you know, not really for me, uh, you know, and then they're like, oh, and like, I, you know, like my attire blew out on the parkway. And I was like, oh my God, like I didn't even think about, you know, some of the, some of like the little minute things that go into, you know, commuting and working and traveling, um, you know, that, that on like a daily day-to-day basis or like, you know, I was talking to a girl and she just told me like, oh, like driving is so stressful. Like I get done work and like, I'm stressed for like another two hours. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're right. You know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it takes up, it takes up a lot more time. I mean, it's just a completely different lifestyle when, I mean, people fell in love with working from home during COVID for a reason. You have that ability, you have two hours added to your day, the end of your day, the beginning and the end, because you're not commuting. Right. So uh, those are just the little things that come along with, you know, trading full time. But coach, I want to bring you in. I want to ask you, you know, how, trading and trading full time has been able to help you, uh, you know, to use your time in more effective ways, because this is something you like to talk about a lot as well. When you were coming out of school, you had a job offer that you ended up declining and you know, it was a pretty standard job offer. But for you and, you know, knowing that I've known you for quite a bit of time now, I feel like the, uh, you know, the money was obviously a goal for you. But as I mentioned, you were pretty hooked on having this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do the nine to five, right? I'm not going to be part of the rat race and I'm going to be able to do my own thing. So what was that like for you once you kind of came to the realization that your dreams are starting to come true a bit in that sense? Yeah, it's definitely a blessing. I mean, I'm obviously humbled by not only my own success as a trader, but also the community we've built has been awesome. But I will say like, I don't really have a, a good reference point to like answer your question where I've been taking the train in at 5 a.m. and I can compare that to you know how my life has changed now because you know we were at school just a couple of years ago and I've I've been fully committed to day trading since I graduated. I had no other aspirations and I I feel like that has played to my benefit because I really left myself with no no real uh, room to fail. Honestly. Um, I, I told the story last podcast I was on about how I had the offer at Oracle, right? Like Penn State's like a breeding ground for Oracle, all those sales reps, the sales minions. And like, yeah, that sounded cool. I live with a couple of my buddies and like live in Boston. I have a buddy from Co- that um, goes to Providence up there. So yeah, that would have been fun and all, but it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing every day. And it's actually funny that Hugh mentioned how he got involved trading because 
I had a cousin that was um, a head trader at Sabi Capital Management. Dude, you probably heard of them, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they were involved in some uh, small caps, but um, I I actually had that offer at Oracle. I declined it, and then I also had a sales internship the year before I was supposed to start full time, um, and that got canceled because of COVID. So I took the role with my cousin, like free of charge. Because I just wanted to learn how to trade. I was home um, for the summer. I had no job because that fell through because of COVID again. And I was like, let me just shadow you if you don't mind for free. I won't say anything. It won't bother you. I just want to learn. And then as I got exposed more to the market there, um, I actually was involved like long-term investing, but obviously small. I didn't have any money at the time. Uh, but that got me introduced into the small caps. And that's where I came across Hugh, Zach Morris, um, that whole gang. And I just fell in love. And from there, it really kicked off. And I honestly... At the moment that I got involved, you never expected to get to where it is two years later, right? And I, I'm sure Hugh feels the same way. Like he probably didn't expect when he first got involved to build, you know, what he's built now. But you just got to take it one day at a time. I feel like, and just be grateful for every day that you get to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I, uh, I think we weren't even recording it, but I, I hate social media. Uh, so, and I mean, especially like I can't spell. You know, I, I have terrible grammar terrible punctuation. So I really, uh, you know, like I really had no aspirations, uh, as far as, as far as this goes, even like the podcast, like I remember we had hit like a, like a million downloads or something. And I was like shocked. I was like, really? I was like, who? I didn't, I didn't even think there would be like a million traders, like, you know, traders, uh, in the world, let alone, uh, you know, ones listening to, to the podcast. So, so no, you're totally right. It's, it's, it's really wild, uh, the community and especially, um, you know, I mean, to see what it's grown from, from really like 2017, 2018 to now, it's just, it, it's just insane. Like I can, like I can vividly hear, uh, inside the parking garage where I live, someone talking to another person about AMC and the stock like two years ago. And I was like, I was like, what? Like my dreams are coming true. Like this is like it's like dinner time talk, stock talk. Like this is fucking great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just wild. One thing I wanted to touch on in particular is, you know, we have a ton of newer traders and those traders that are sort of in there in between, right? And we always like to say, there's no, there's only two types of traders. There are successful traders and there are those who quit, right? It's It's tough to obviously like when you're losing, like it's not fun, right? But you have to kind of power through and and really envision yourself on top, envision the outcome, envision the goal um, to ultimately get there, right? To ultimately become profitable in the market. Talk to us about your early days and how you were kind of able to stay with it, um, you know, even after you had some struggles, right? Because there are so many people, particularly right now with, I mean, growth stocks, 50, 60, 70% off the highs, um, who are really feeling that that hurt, right? So so talk to them about how you were able to sort of stay engaged and power through. Yeah, uh, it definitely wasn't easy. The The biggest thing for me was that uh, the first trade that I ever took was based on like a alert system and I had taken it and I mean, literally within, I had taken it probably 15 minutes before the bell and 30 minutes later after earnings report came up, I was up like 300% and I was like, oh fuck yeah. Like I'm going to be a billionaire. Um, and so, so that was the first thing. And then I proceeded to like lose everything. Like just from there, like, I don't think I had like another red, I mean, another green trade for like a, a long time. And so I always had that. I, I always, it showed me on that first trade that there, it, like it's this isn't a broken system. Like you can make money. Like I felt that, you know, kind of like a like literally kind of like a gambler. You know, 
um, like gambler's luck. Like I felt making money before. And then uh, the other part to this was that, you know, with the heart condition, uh, I realized that like I need to take naps. Like I can't just work like a traditional job. Uh, you know, cause like even to this day, like I still throw up a lot, like yeah, it might be TMI, but, uh, you know, like I just can't work a traditional job. And so that was the other part to this was like, all right, like I kind of got to figure this out. Cause I do like, like the finer things in life. So, you know, I, I, I got to figure this out. And, um, and so it took me probably two or three years and I did have uh, a little bit of lenience that I understand that like a lot of people don't necessarily have because, um, any money that I made from jobs, I was able to keep most of it because uh, I didn't have to pay for like rent or anything. You know, like I was still young living with my parents. Um, so I, I did recognize that I did kind of have like that, that natural leg up um, because everything that I made could just go into the training account, which, you know, <laughs> I would lose. Um, but it, it really helped me to like, I tried everything. Like I tried scalping options in the bathroom of stats class. Like I tried, um, you know, like basically... <laughs> earnings gamble. And I don't even know like what I thought my edge was. I think it was basically like, yeah, you know, I like this. I like this fucking company, you know, like, like there was truly no edge to anything that I was doing. So, um, so I, I really was able to, <laughs> to, to weed out the things that I wasn't good at. And then, um, and then I got to a point to where I probably had lost for two and a half years straight. And I was like, I, I need to, I need to like figure this out. Like I'm like, now I'm just like dicking around every day. Um, you know, in class, in between class and, uh, and, and I'm not getting anywhere, you know, like I, like I understand what I'm not good at, but, uh, I could do that forever. And, uh, and I was starting to get to, uh, to where, where, you know, when I had first started trading, it was like, all right, I have like three years left of high school. And then it was like two years and then it was like one year. And then now it's like, you know, high school's coming to an end. You know, like I have absolutely no idea what, what college I'm going to go to. I hadn't gone on a college tour and I'm like, oh man, like this, this really time really flew. So then, uh, so then I took about eight months to just kind of like I, I maybe maybe had followed at the time maybe like three or four hundred people, and I had basically narrowed that list down and just went all in, like similar to what Coach was saying, kind of shadowing everything that they did. So if they took a trade, I was then going to reverse engineer it back um, the day before, or if they were long a stock for DD. I was going to see why they liked it and what they liked it, and then figure out their process and try and figure out, you know, okay, and then I would talk to them and say, hey, you know, I noticed that you like this, 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 um, and because of these reasons, also I found this, 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 which kind of aligns with what I believe is your strategy. What do you like about this? What don't you like about this? And then based on that, I, I was able to formulate like my own uh, strategy. Yeah, I think that you know, like alert taking gets a bad rep. If that's how you're treating it, if you're treating it as I'm going to buy stock XYZ blindly and I'm going to hope that it rips 100%, I double my money. And then if it doesn't, you sit there and you cry and you're red. That's obviously the wrong, the wrong way to do it. But there's you know formulated approaches that you can take when you, as you mentioned, you see why the trade worked. Do you see why the trade didn't work? And through reviewing trades like that, you're able to now develop your own system and you could pick and choose parts and pieces from other people's strategies and now build your own, which is, I think, a really good idea for those that are starting. But as you mentioned, your first trade, uh, you tailed somebody, it went 300%. That's all you know, nice and dandy, but all it's really doing is giving you a false sense of uh, you know, the fact that you think that you know what you're doing when realistically 
you don't. Very similar to I was uh, talking to somebody the other day and they they told me, oh, well, I bought AMD calls. And I was like, well, why? And they said, oh, I don't know. I just feel like it's botting me, botting me out. Uh, but realistically, I didn't have too much of a plan. So I told them, at the end of the day, this is going to be a lose-lose for you. If you win money, you now have that false sense of confidence. And if you lose money, obviously, you know the downside is that you're red. So reviewing trades and seeing how other people are trading can be very, very beneficial. But I want to ask you about your trading currently, because the market that we're currently trading in is very, very different from the market that we saw um, in the later half of 2022, early 2021, when small caps were really hot and everybody was making a lot of money. So what does your trading look like here and now? Yeah. So my trading uh, primarily leading up to this year, uh, or I'll even say through half of 2021, primarily, um, was basically small caps, you know, mostly themes and sectors. Uh, you know, like for instance, like weed bills. Um, you know, if I saw that weed bills coming three weeks in advance, start to accumulate, you know, weed stocks and just and really honestly, uh, I, my trading got sloppy. Um, you know, like I know a lot of traders, like it felt like we got really sloppy because, um, you know, I everything stocks. I mean, the the fact that the phrase that was coined for two years was stonks only go up is so wild to think about when looking back, but that's really how it was. I mean, there, there were so many days where it was like, you know, you just buy high, sell higher. Um, and I'm not even, I'm not even a primarily a day trader. Like I, like I'm primarily a swing trader. Um, and I mean, it was just wild. I mean, I would have like two, three weeks of whatever swing I was going in, just keep going up like RSI's at like a hundred be like, what, what, what is madness? So, um, so that's, that's really what it was primarily. Um, but it was always important to me to understand that like I knew that the other shoe would drop eventually. And um, I'm going to say two things and they're going to contradict each other. On one hand, I'd like to think that my strategy can work in any market. Okay. Like when I was developing it. And that's true. On the other hand, I'm the type of trader where I need to like literally get punched in the face for me to be like, oh, like this, this market's not working anymore. You know what I mean? So, so although my strategy can be taken and used in other areas of the market, I, I had to take a big loss and in, in, I had to take like, you know, like I have to take big losses for, for, and, and it sucks, but it's just, you know, it's just something that like I have to deal with, you know, big loss for it to be like, okay, that market's not working anymore. Um, you know, like, like you can feel the downward pressure. And I look back that night and I'm like, oh, fuck, like this has been here for like three weeks. Like this has been staring me in the face for three weeks. So, Primarily right now, it's been uh, bigger time frame breakouts. So like uh, right now, I'm in Costco, X. Uh, I just got stopped at Airbnb, Plug, CLSK. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to look at my other computer. Uh, Zen, which is going after hours. Uh, and so so things that are just breaking out on... And it, they're still themes, you know, like they're still overall themes, but um, but it's different because in small caps, I trusted the theme more. Where in large caps, it's it depends more on the company. I feel like the underlying company and the underlying assets, and there's like more that goes into it. Where uh, in small caps, it's like anything that you know, like when DWAC was running, anything connected to Trump was going two hundred percent. Yeah, two hundred percent. So uh, that's pretty much how I've been trading now. Um, you know, and then intraday, I trade pretty much spy, uh, Apple. Um, I was trading Tesla. Tesla. Tesla and I have like the real toxic relationship. Like we'll go on like a nice little three month uh, run, and then uh, and then again I'll give up like 
three weeks worth of uh, gains in like one day, you know, like one of those like big, you know, 10% mover days. And I'm like, yeah, I'm never touching this thing again. And then, uh, yeah, six months later, I, it sucks me in. That was us on Friday. We had like the thousand percenter when it ran like a week or two ago. And then on Friday, took half of that back on like one, one candle. <laughs> One fucking candle. Yeah, what? <laughs> That's the thing. It's like one candle. It's like two percent. I'm like, what the hell am I doing with this? You know what I mean? But when you're on the right side of that volatility, it makes my month. Like the first, uh, what was it? Oh, the first of this year. I think it was technically like January third or whatever. I was holding over overnight Tesla into the new year for um for their delivery numbers. Like I like I you know not, no nothing crazy, but uh but I felt like I had an edge there because they were killing it into that Friday. Um and I was like yeah like let me take a little nibble. Gaps up, oh, gaps up. You know, I'm, I hit my monthly goal just on that alone. And I'm like, this this year is gonna be sick. And then uh, through the rest of January, just proceed to me giving back and trading sideways. And I was like, this 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 bitch, man. I'm like, so you know, it is what it is. I, I it's definitely one of those things. Like I said, is that uh, is that I think as traders, like we're always evolving and uh, ever change and changing. And um, and the one thing that I will say is that I've definitely gotten too wrapped up intraday. Uh, the intraday mental fortitude that's taking that is definitely that was one of the things that I want to start working on on this new quarter is stop. Like if I'm going to take a trade on spy or something, I can take one off open. I can maybe take two, but uh, but uh, I mean I found myself trading spy like six six times one day, and I was like, the hell am I doing? You know. Like that's not my game, dude. Me and um, me and Alejandro were actually talking, and Noah actually, all three of us were talking about that last night. How we find ourselves just giving back gains in the midday session. Yep. And I know that a lot of our members feel the same way. Like, and the trading, we obviously post alerts and stuff, so we see our results decline in that period. And you know, it's it's tough for us because we want to put out content for our our members, but. At the same time, it's like we don't want to just force things just to force them and put out content. No, no, no. You're spot on. And that was the thing was I was finding myself uh, taking profits really early because the same thing like we just talked about with Tesla was the market, the, these headlines. Uh, and now now it feels like headlines aren't moving the market that much. But I got into this bad habit, uh, I would say really, really in the beginning of March um, and towards the end of February, where if I was green instantly, you know, I was taking like 85% of it off. But then, you know, I was finding myself, you know, one big red candle and I was like, all right, fuck, like, let me average down once and then another green candle, I'll take it off. And, and I was like, dude, are you a dork? Like I, like, I, like I have post-it notes all over my office, all over my desk. And like the biggest one that I have from 2018, like we're talking four years ago, is never average down on a loser. And I'm like, dude, I'm so like, I'm looking at, at my past trades. I'm like, dude, like you're not letting winners run because you know, you're too, like, you're too worried about volatility. And then on the same token, you're losers. You're like averaging down on uh, on like a Ukraine headline, you know? And I'm like, so, so that was like the biggest thing was that this last quarter was a lot of growth for me because um, although as traders, we love volatility and we're always like, you know, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Um, you know, when that volatility finally smacks us in the face, you know, I felt like I learned a lot, you know, like it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, it definitely wasn't a good, it definitely wasn't a good quarter for me. Like I, you know, I didn't hit my goal, but I felt like I learned a lot. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not necessarily pissed about it. No, that, that's a great point. And like, it goes to show that at your experience level and your success level, you're still trying to learn and adapt to this day, which is great. That's one of the biggest things in my opinion is 
a lot of people don't realize and specifically, you know, speaking to the new traders when they see guys who have been trading for multiple years and, you know, they see all these people on Twitter being profitable, you know, this, that and the other. And there's really a bit of a front to it. I think that there are a lot of people who have that sort of God complex and uh, they act like they're Uh, Their struggles are behind them because they have such a high experience level. But I can tell you guys firsthand that I'm learning every single day. I have green day or red day. I can go back and I can pinpoint something that I did wrong, regardless of what my P&L finished like today. Before we hopped on the podcast, I was talking to Noah and Schlett and I told them, look, I was green on the day after, you know, two trades. I took that third trade that was a loser Now I'm pissed off. I take one more trade and I finish the day red. And now, I mean, I can go back at the end of the day. I'm going to review the things I did wrong. And the goal is to not repeat that mistake again. But it's a constant battle. And the only people who survive in this game are those that are able to realize that it doesn't come easy, regardless of how long you trade for. You're always going to have those mental humps. Uh, You might go through the yips for a little bit, but as long as you're able to sit back, you know, at the end of the day, review what you did wrong. And if you're open to learning and everybody, as coach mentioned, everybody's constantly learning. And if you're you know, open to that and you're open to asking other people for advice and you're just constantly trying to improve, you're going to see your trading progress exponentially. But first, you have to be open to the idea that you might be doing this for a few years. You might be doing this for five years. You might be doing this for 10 years. And you're still going to have those days where you're like, fuck this. Like, I like this shit is so hard. Like, it, it happens to everybody. Dude, I we just brought up Tesla and I, I got crushed for like, and for it's all relative, obviously. But I was down like 2K on that on Friday, like in the first 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And I'm asking, I'm up like, I'm still up seven grand on the week. And I'm asking myself, I'm like, dude, I fucking suck. Like, I don't even know if I could do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Sit, sitting there still up like almost five, uh, five digits on the week. And I'm like, I don't even know if I can continue. Dude, that's, you know, it, it, I'm funny. It's funny that you brought that up because, uh, cause even fr- Thursday and Friday for me, I, I had, I was, I was on pace for, you know, really good numbers. And then Thursday, like noon hit, gave back, you know, I gave back, most of the morning, you know, it, which which I had a really good relative morning, and then Friday I ended. I again same thing. I was like green, and then I ended like like a little red, and I was like, dude, like fuck this shit. Like like I'm I'm getting into real estate, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then, and then we. Dude, I'm not kidding. I literally have that. I think about that. I'm like, dude, like should I be using man, my hang money? On, like, hang on, real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my roommate have been reading <laughs> rental property investing, and and like 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 this is like the conversations that we yeah, have. Dude. That's when you know you're down bad. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Was that, well, see, that's the thing. Is that is that? But then then we talk about it, and like coach was saying, like I made seven k in a week. Like realistically, what did we do to make that seven k? You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like you make seven k a week for the rest of your life. I don't care who the fuck you are. Like you're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's just, it's, it, but I just, I just find it wild because you know, like I get into my head too and it's like, it's like, damn, like this, this blows. And then I'm like, dude, the numbers <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not that bad. You know, like <laughs> it's like not that bad. Well, I think it also kind of comes back to the fact that I think that we're all, because we're all part of Fintwit and we're all part of what makes Fintwit great. Like every Fintwit, mem- Fintwit member is what makes it great. But at the same time, I think that there are some some downsides to it. And I think one of those downsides is just the fact that 
you get this picture painted of, you know, after three, four, five years of really hard work, you're going to be sitting on a beach, sipping margaritas, taking one trade a day, making 500,000 and then going to the strip club. And it's like, that's never it. And I've heard this from so many people too. It's like, so I know it's not just me. The larger your account gets, the more, it's almost like the more stressful the trading becomes. Cause it's like, it's not so much that you don't know what you're doing, but now you have more to lose. So it's like you, ha- you really have to be on top of your game. Whereas, you know, when I started out with my three, four, five thousand dollar account, it's like, it's super stressful. But at the same time, if I lose 5K, it's not going to be the end of my life. Like when you get to the point where losing a significant amount of money really will change things for you, like that's really when the stress comes in. And so, you know, there really is never like that end goal in terms of like, you know, I'm just going to be doing absolutely nothing living life. I would say like 99.9% of people, even after you get successful, you still have to continue to put in that work to really maintain what you've built, you know, up to that point. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're so right. And that, that's one of the things with uh, trading. It's like, you know, we talk about seven grand a week, you know, um, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. You know, like 10 grand a week is, you know, 520 grand a year. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, and so I think it's, I think it's really wild when, um, when I have someone sign my DMs that comes in and, and the thing is that the real misconception is that, you know, like, Hey, Hey, Hugh, Hey, Mitch, I got 50 grand, you know, uh, like what, what can I turn this into by the end of the year? And the reality is that, you know, most, most traders I know, most funds, you know, they can make two to 300% a year on a consistent basis. And that's, that's really sick. But the, the thing that I usually find is that it's like the people with 50, 60 grand, have don't even know what the brokerage account like login is, you know, like they've never, they've never looked at any indicators. They never looked at anything. And so it's like this like real big misconception of trading that like, just because I have 50 to 60 grand, I can come in and make money. You know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those things where like, it truly is. I I can kind of compare it to being a doctor. And, you know, I say the same thing. I say, uh, listen, you know, we, we don't deal with people's lives, you know, like we don't, we don't have any of that, but you know, you go to, you go to school for six to eight years. I, I think that's correct. Like, you know, six to eight years to then make, you know, half a million, you know, dollars or something. You should treat trading the same way because just like a doctor, you know, you enter med school, you know, you're like skinning grapes with knives, you know, but then by the time of med school, you know, you're like doing your first surgery or you know, you're doing residential, you know, work, whatever. Uh, same thing with trading. You should treat it like, you know, paper trading, you know, you're skinning, you know, grates with knives. And by the time that you get to that, you know, third, fourth, fifth year is when you can, you know, actually, you know, you actually know what you're doing and you only get better. You know, like a a lot of people compare trading to being a professional athlete and I understand it. Like, Like I do understand it, but I think it's different because a professional athlete hits 40, they're, they're done. You know, a trader hits 15 years in the market they're only getting better. Yeah. And that's something that I think is really, really important to focus on. It's playing the long game. So I always like to talk about how you have one green day, you have one red day, you have one green week, one red week. Realistically, none of that matters, you know, depending on how old you are and people have different reasons why they're trading, whether it's, you know, they want some side money, they want to look out for their families, this and the other. For me personally, I'm 23 years old. Whether I have a green week or a red week, that's cool and all. But what I'm really focused on is how many trades am I winning? Like, how good am I yeah. at trading? How good am I getting at this? Because if I can you know, develop a system that's going to work for 
the next 10 years, next 15 years, next 20 years. Are you kidding me? Like that's, um, it's very easy to hyper-focus on today. I was green today. I was red, but what's really, really important is, am I doing things correctly? Am I gaining confidence in the way that I'm trading? You could have one, and this is one of the most common things that happens to people. You have that one massive trade where you see your account go from X amount to Y amount and you think you're hot shit, but realistically, you're not getting any better just because you have more money. Yeah. And there goes your account trickling back down to where it was to begin with. So for me, it's really just about how good am I at trading? And that's what really got exciting for me. Once I started to realize, all right, I know what I'm doing here. Like I'm able to go into the market every single day and I'm able to profit. You know, obviously every single day is a stretch. Nobody's green every single day, but for the majority of the time, I'm able to profit. And that's when I was like, all right, it's go time. But people don't get that. They think that it's like the hyper focus on the amount of money you have, I think can get people in a lot of, a lot of trouble. No, you're spot on. Definitely spot on. I feel like one of the hard parts is when you try to take, like, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but everyone has been able to win before in the market, right? Like at some point you're going to find winners, but I feel like the hard part is, is developing that risk strategy because like you said before about that Tesla candle, like you could wipe out one trade or four winners with like one loser if you don't have the right strategy. And I feel like the hard part for me, you know, I feel like I'm on that level where I want to make that run to like the million dollar portfolio. Right. And I'm like able to win consistently every day. But as soon as I try to size up, like immediately mental emotions come in and I just get fucked. Like I'll shit myself every one or two cents the the trade moves because I'm not used to that like dollar figure amount, PO amount, even though my strategy is still in play. Like the chart setup is still there. Whatever I was seeing in the play is still in front of me. But when you really start to size up, it gets harder because mentally you see bigger dollar figures and you're like, I'm not used to this. So for me, it's been a really slow progression. You guys have seen it. I post my PL every day on Twitter. It's like I'm at the point where I'm shooting for like 1500 to 2K. And I get a lot of criticism for this. People are like, oh, you should be making like Mander, right? Like in our Discord, like try, try to get the $20,000 day. And I'm like, it's just not my comfort zone. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with this um, in trading as well, especially retail. He's not comfortable with making 20K in a day. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. 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 But let, let's let. He doesn't like it. I love him, but let's talk about he made 55, right? And then he loses 20 the next day. It's like, dude, I couldn't look at myself the same. Yeah. Dude, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's different. And I think it, it comes back to your strategy, right? And, you know, that kind of goes into, you know, we've talked about this before is like when I was starting out and I was funding these accounts, I would throw in two, three, four K and bring it to zero and then just do that over and over and over again. And it's like, if I had, if I, if I had started right with 50 K, like the person that's in Mitch's DMs, you know, I would have lost 50 K realistically. I, that's exactly what would have happened. And it's like that, that initial period, right. That, that first one, two, three years, however long it takes you is really not so much about making money. Right. I think that particularly because you go, you can go on Fintway and see pictures like Mander having a 50K week that you think that you should be making money right now all the time. And it's like that first one to three years for me, even though I didn't know it, you know, in hindsight was just building a strategy. Like that's the whole point It's like, it's not really, am I up or down? It's like, do I have something that I, I can replicate and do every single day? Right. Because if I took away um, coach's money, if I took away Mitch's money, if I took away Alejandro's money, they'd be able to make it back because 
it's about the strategy. It's not about how much money you have, right? It's about what is it that you're doing every single day in the market? What's your edge? Where is that profit coming from? How, how, right? It's not so much what, it's more how. And I think that there's not enough focus on the how, um, particularly, you know, on, on Fintuit. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I think, I think that's so important. And, uh, and, and, you know, just to sound, sound like a complete, you know, jerk off, uh, you know, like I get it. Like I, like I come to the market every day and, and want to make, you know, money, you know, every day, but, uh, you know, and, and even like, uh, see, it's tough because, cause like I said, is that, um, I had, I didn't have real responsibilities. So it's not like I, I felt like I needed to make money, uh, you know, when, when I first started out. So like, I totally get like the whole, like, Hey, like, you know, I see somebody else making money. I should just be able to take their alerts and instantly make money. You know what I mean? So, so I, I get it for everyone that's like, you know, at the time, or, you know, that's listening to it and, uh, and like, well, you know, like I should be able to just come to the market and make money. You know, like I wish it was like that, obviously. Yeah. And it's also easy, you know, to talk about these topics in hindsight when we already have hundreds of different ex- different experiences under our belts. And we've seen, you know, what overtrading does or, you know, all these different ways that we've lost money. And we can sit here and say, we'll focus on the process, focus on the process. But Again, that comes through experience. And as a new trader, the first thing that's going to happen to you, and it's just, you know, human nature, your emotions take over. You have that first really, really nice green day and you think you're fucking Warren Buffett and you're about (laughs) to, you know, take over the market. And then, you know, you get put back on your ass. But that's what that's what happens. And I encourage new traders to be receptive to those types of experiences and just as i was talking about earlier treat them as chances to learn that's the really the only way to progress and a lot of people um as noah mentioned end up quitting uh you know and that's because they're not seeing those learning opportunities but rather they're seeing oh well the only thing i'm doing is losing money well then you have to also ask yourself are you trading with too much money like what are the goals here right if you're not playing with money that you're, I don't want to say willing to lose, but you know that at least you're not going to be, uh, you know, staying up at night. It's not you, you can't sleep because of these overnight positions you're taking or whatnot. If that's you right now, you really got to take a step back and look in the mirror and ask yourself how good you are at trading. Take into account your skill set. Take into account how long you've been trading. Um, you know, being overconfident can get you in a lot of trouble. And again, just focus, um, focus on the process, but. Um, Hugh, I just want to ask you now, what are some of your goals moving into the second quarter or just into the end of the year in general? The market's picking back up a little bit, um, not necessarily a confirmed bull market, but we are starting to see a bit of inflow into you know the mega cap tech names and things are starting to look a little bit better, not getting ahead of ourselves. But I really just want to um, you know, dig inside your brain and see what it is that you're thinking um, moving into the near future and how you plan on uh, treating your trading. Yeah, yeah. So this last quarter, I felt like it was a lot of growth and stuff. And this quarter, like I really just want to, you know, I feel like, uh, like for the most part, the biggest catalyst will be the next inflation reading. Um, you know, inflation works a lot, a lot the same way going up as it does coming down. Um, being that, you know, once once that you know truck kind of gets rolling. And once that barrel starts getting, you know, down that hill, ooh, that that didn't sound 
That, that that didn't come out as good as I thought it would. Uh, but you know, once you, once you get that, once you get it started, it's really hard to stop. Um, but inside the same token, once you curve inflation, it 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 typically typically you don't see higher, you don't see a new high in inflation. So I'll be really interested to see if now that we've uh, raised right uh, raised rates, you know, not a lot, but if inflation is even is you know even or if we even see a slight decline. Um, you know, then I think that that puts us inside like a zone where the market can definitely see 500, 550. Uh, you know, like I really wouldn't be shocked for that to happen. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously rates have gone, you know, you look at how mortgages, mortgages are, you know, now at like 4%. Um, so you're already starting to see some of those underlying numbers, uh, you know, start to start to do the dirty work, if you will. Um, which, you know, when we raised mortgage rates, uh, you know, house house numbers and uh, the average house uh, typically comes down, which I know that was reported like last week or something that the average American house in uh, the United States was 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 $500,000 or something, something along those lines. Um, so we should start to see that come down, uh, you know, which which so so there's all these different, you know, domino effects. Um, that I think that will, you know, if we do see lower inflation, um, then, you know, the market will stabilize and it won't be so much f- fear. Not that there really is fear. I mean, we see, you know, I mean, the market <laughs> market went from 410 to 460 in 10 days. So, um, and, and then the other part to this is that, you know, the other thing that we talked about earlier inside the podcast was about, you know, the headlines moving the market. And uh, similar to similar to COVID, we kind of saw that the first three to four weeks you know, every single city that got a new COVID case, you know, the market was moving a percent on that. Similar to the Ukraine situation that we're dealing with, uh, first three to four weeks, <coughs> excuse me, first three to four weeks, um, every single, I mean, shot heard, everything, every headline was moving the market. Now we're seeing that, uh, now we're seeing less and less headlines truly move the market. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, if the market does continue to stabilize a little bit and we start to see this overall trend break to the upside, then, uh, then I'm going to be really excited for, for the quarter. And that's what I'm expecting. So I'm kind of like still inside a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, you know, typically, typically leading up to tax day as well, there can be some like volatility, which is coming up. But, um, other than that, like I'm, I'm really excited uh, for for this quarter and uh, and for the rest of the year because I think that um, that e- even though growth, you know, things were trading at stupid multiples and they're lower now, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that growth, you know, that all growth names are going to, you know, see higher higher than what they currently are. But that being said, the ones that I think it'll be like the the sore thumb analogy, the ones that um that have a future and they have good fundamentals will literally stick out like a sore thumb. So, uh, so I'm also excited for that. Cause you know, I like, I like DD. I like getting into the fundamentals of, uh, some of those names. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that when you look out into the future, right. And, and this is something that we talk about on spaces almost every night is that the market really does trade on the expectations. Right. And so even when, like you talked about the initial kind of invasion of the Ukraine, nobody really knew what to expect. And I think that as we get um, a better understanding of the situation, the expectations become a little bit more clear of, of what we may or may not see out of that sort of interaction. And I think that the same thing applies with um, inflation, right? As the Fed already, you know, has done their work over the past month, really um, um, communicating to the market that they're going to be very, very strict on on this inflation bout. They really want to stamp it out. Um, like you said, you already see some of that jawboning starting to take a, take effect in the markets, and so. That should help us out. Additionally, with the fact that 
inflation last year was pretty bad. And so when you have the year over year comps this year, it's not going to look, um, they, the high numbers from last year may massage and hide some of the inflation numbers that we get this year because year over year, um, it may look a little bit better just because of the fact that last year, particularly late last year, inflation was running fairly rampant. And so as those comps sort of come down, you know, I think the the expectations of the market will, will sort of be calmed. And I think that's something that we really have to pay attention to, right? It's not so much what is the news. I think it's more what is the news relative to what the market expects, right? And I think that a lot of times you get people, particularly in our Discord, because I feel like I've I've heard this so many times, is like the market shouldn't be trading up today. Like, um, I don't know, the, the Fed raised interest rates. The market shouldn't be trading up today. There was an invasion. The market shouldn't be trading up today. And it's like, there's no shouldn't be. It's It's more so like, there's news. Okay. What was the expected news and how, how does the current news reflect or, or sort of interact with what was expected? Right. Because if number, if inflation numbers come out and they're not great, but the market was expecting worse, the market's going to trade higher on that. Right. And so it's like, th- that's something really important that I think that we'll definitely be paying attention to over the next months is, you know, what does the market expect? Um, in terms of the outcome with inflation and, and the Ukraine situation? Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, I think you're spot on. The one thing that, uh, I started to say, which, which I'll, you know, of course I think is clever, uh, is, uh, is, you know, bullish on the market, bearish on the, on the economy. And I think like you really can, uh, and again, this is, you know, totally biased because I am, but, uh, you know, I think that you can be bullish on the market, especially on a shorter time frame, but bearish on the economy. I mean, when you look at it, uh, can we name a president or, you know, how many presidents can we name in our hand that haven't raised the debt ceiling? Uh, in the last 50 years, you know? So I think it's, I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's not so black and white. Uh, it's not so black and white in that you can have this kind of like, uh, you know, a shorter time frame outlook on the, on the market being bullish and the overall economy, you know, being bearish. Like, like nobody's gonna, I don't think you can argue, you know, <laughs> the amount of money that, <clears throat> you know, or, you know, really what COVID did to the economy. You know, I don't think anyone can argue that, that it, that wasn't, you know, super crippling, but the difference is, is that I don't, I don't think necessarily like it affected Apple that much. I don't think it affected Amazon. In fact, it probably did wonders for Amazon. Like my grandpa started using Amazon, you know, like I don't think it affected, uh, you know, like the, the bigger companies that much. And when, and when you say the, the stat, and I like saying the stat is that, uh, inside the last 90 years, 100% of the market's gains have come from 4% of the market. Like when you say that stat and you think about that, you're like, oh shit. Okay. So it really only matters, you know, again, like what Apple, Amazon, you know, Microsoft are doing. And so when, when you look at it that way and you think about it that way, I think that, that, that can sometimes change the perspective of, oh, okay. So I guess it, you know, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. And now what we're seeing is Apple creep up on all time highs. And when you look back to Q1 earnings and, you know, Apple, Google, uh, Amazon have blowout earnings, then you start to ask yourself and you look back and again, hindsight's 2020, but it's like, should I have been buying these, you know, mega cap tech names who are reporting their best earnings ever? Right. And so, um, yeah, no. And those are definitely, again, the driving factors. And that's what we're seeing now. We're starting to see the mega cap tech names um, really catching a bid into Q2. So that's just something we'll We'll be looking out for. Always easy in hindsight, though. Oh, always. It's always easy in hindsight. I'm the biggest guy, the what if guy. I'm one of the greatest hindsight traders of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I mean, it's not the same perspective. I mean, I think the other thing about this past quarter was uh, was that, you know, throwing around World War Three 
I mean, that was wild for, for crazy. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, it's, it's nuts when we, when we were talking about COVID, but, uh, I mean, world war three, I mean, that's just a whole different, you know, beast. And I mean, you know, that's the other thing is that, is that, uh, you know, to, to coach's point is that now it's like, we'll have a headline come out that about like nuclear warfare or something. And it's like the market, the market doesn't even move. Like I think last Thursday or something, I saw, uh, I was expecting like, you know, some kind of candle, you know, I was watching the price action, nothing. In fact, like a pretty big green candle, like the next candle after. And I was like, this is it. like, the market is just wild. You know, it's just like one of those things where it's like, it's be like the ninth wonder of the world or something. Cause a month ago it was like, uh, like the Ukrainian capitals being stormed or like, there's like a, there's like the, what is it? Like the air, uh, sirens going off or whatever. Yeah. And you would see the market move on that. Forget you'd see the market flush. And now it's like, it's not even going on. It's crazy. Dude, there was a headline a week or two ago. And I thought we were still in the headline market. Like you said earlier, not as much right now. And I was like, maybe I'm just super early. Like maybe I'll give it another like 30 seconds. Just fucking keeps ripping in my face. <laughs> it's like, all right, never mind. We're out. We're out. <laughs> I, that's the thing, like, and, and and especially it's funny because between uh between COVID, you know, I got terrible habits, you know, on one side of things, you know, just like just out of like little minute, you know, every trader, you know, knows like rules, and then uh, and then all of a sudden this shit started happening, and I'm like getting all sloppy. I'm like, dude, like I might as well just like start from scratch again, like put like five k in account because this is getting, you know, like this is getting so sloppy. Yeah, that was definitely, I think, a change that almost everybody had to make it came earlier for some than it did for others for some people it took all the way to the beginning of this year uh to really see a little bit of red in their account and those who weren't trading the downside got fucked because all you were doing for two years was buying the dip right it was literally the thing just buy the dip and then you know everything was going higher but um you know for me it was last march now yeah last march um into april when it seems like all the volume just got sucked out of small caps and it the game just completely changed. And that was very, very eye-opening for me. And, um, you know, I've been trading for two or three years now, but realistically, that gave me a pretty good understanding of how quickly the market can change, even though when, you know, visually, everything still looked the same, right? Tech was trading higher. Everybody's favorite names were trading higher. Growth was trading higher. Until, you know, yeah, November 4th quarter of uh, 2021 is when we started to see growth get really hit. So from the surface, everything was okay. But then you have to ask yourself, okay, why am I losing money? Like why was, and this is really the main focus. It's what I was doing yesterday isn't working today. Why? Is it because, um, you know, my strategy is poor? Is it because of the market? And that for me was a really big learning experience because it happens more often than I think a lot of people think. A month ago, buying puts, right? We saw a ton of volatility. Uh, options premium, zero DTE were just through the roof. Uh, and we were seeing eight point moves daily and spy, right? And trading to the downside was really fun and it was very predictable. And then all of a sudden, we have this massive snapback rally in the middle of this bear market, as everybody was calling for. And so what was working a month ago is no longer working now. So again, it's time to reevaluate and it's time to fine tune my strategy. And being able to stay nimble and stay on your toes like that is very, very effective versus continuing to hammer the same strategy, asking yourself, shit, like the market just has to reverse. Like people who are, 
uh, you know, who in the second half of last year were still swinging small caps, thinking that they were going to, you know, continue to run 300, 400% in the course of two weeks. When realistically, it was like, well, we weren't seeing that type of continuation. So you start to ask yourself, do I need to make a change to my strategy? Or was that even a strategy? Was I just getting lucky? Was I just, you know, buying things low, selling higher? So um, being able to stay nimble is very, very important, especially. And this market currently is going to it's it's going to make or break people, people that come out of the current market that we're trading in profitably, even if you don't profit, if you're able to stay alive and you know, we start to see a little bit more continuation and swings come back and this, that, and the other, there's going to be so much money to be made. And that's really, you know, a huge thing that I listen to you talk about in PJR's uh, capital preservation, which is just very, very um, important, especially in times like these. Yeah. The last thing, uh, just to point on that is, uh, you know, like I know, a tra- I know a few traders who don't have a high win rate uh, percentage, but they make tens of millions of dollars uh, every year. And that's just because of their capital, you know, uh, preservation, just, you know, things that don't work, they instantly cut and things that uh, work, they let go, you know, a few hundred percent sometimes. Uh, and I think like, like when you think about that, that's just crazy. Like they literally, the strategy only works 25% of the time and they make, you know, 300, 400, 500% on their account every year. Wild. That is uh, something that we were running the numbers on because we have this guy, Mander. He's crazy, our buddy, in Discord. And he hit like 40% of his trades and he did 4,000% for the month or whatever. And I hit like 77% and my, I was like 2,000%. We're still great, but like he doubled my fucking returns, right? Percentage wise. And, you know, he was hitting 40% of the time versus 75. So I think that's a good perspective too. When you have the right risk plan, um, and you really like run the math and run your hit rate, you can create that proper risk plan to, um, you know, ensure that you're hitting your whatever goals you have for the month, for the year, whatever. All right, guys. I think this was a really good uh, conversation. Hugh, appreciate you hopping on, man. This was this was really good. I was excited for this interview. Obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've been listening to PJIR for a while. So it was good to have you on um, and good to finally meet you. Guys, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really honored to come on. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been following Coach for, honestly, Coach, I mean, it's got to be like a year and a half now. Uh, and we have so many mutual friends. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's so cool what you guys are doing. Um, so thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, uh, thanks for hopping on. I wanted to say that, like, I was, I was looking back. I probably messaged you about like KTOV, all these fucking penny stocks like two years ago. Yeah. And now like you're hopping on the pot. So I appreciate it. I mean, you've definitely inspired me personally. Um, and I know the other guys and PGIR as well, obviously was a big inspiration for 100%. Um, creating trading camp pod. So listen, we got to send you like a fucking hat or something, man. Hell yeah. Caps. Get some, get some gear. Hell yeah. <laughs> but appreciate you coming on again and yeah, let's stay in touch. And I think this will be a good episode. A lot of people get good use out of it. So thank you. Have a good night, boys. Have a good one, brother. Absolutely. Take care. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.